0: So we ended up at the end of last week's launch into the first week of this year's Hope Lives series with a really cool exercise building uh, what Tim Arnold described as a missionary map at each of our Southridge locations. Now, a missionary map, he explained, was something uh, from his church upbringing that showed where missionaries served. And in his upbringing, there were only a you know, small handful of dots on this missionary map to represent a very small handful of people who identified themselves as missionaries. Because as Tim explained, to be a missionary um, was to have this, you know, rare mix of living somewhere overseas, feeling this really mystical sense of calling from God, living as a super hardcore follower of Jesus and being funded by normal followers of Jesus, to live that way. That was kind of the the criteria of a missionary, which is why there were so few missionaries on the missionary map. But Tim said, around here, we're trying to change that. And we're trying to change that because we get the sense that God has a different vision for how his mission would unfold. And Tim unpacked the idea from Jesus in Matthew 28, when he said to his original disciples to go into all the world but he meant to go into all the world, meaning in your going, to live as a difference maker, sharing the love and life-changing message of himself, of Jesus, not just to go somewhere else. And so Tim kind of coined this phrase last week in the launch of this series that's kind of undergirded this year's Hope Live series, this, this idea of a hometown missionary. And the idea is that every single one of us, right where God's placed us, can start to identify ourselves as having the opportunity to be that kind of difference maker in our own lives and with our own families and our own neighborhoods and around our own communities. And so we landed last week, you know, putting these stickers on the missionary maps in our own locations to try to change the mental model of what a missionary and a missionary map looks like. Because Tim had said that was one of the two bottlenecks to you know, living out that hometown missionary way of life. You know, The mental model that only sees a missionary as someone who's out there and mysteriously called and living a hardcore life and is funded by other people. And, and so last week was devoted to changing that mental model. Today though, we want to look at the second bottleneck that Tim alluded to that holds people back from living that adventurous way of life called the hometown missionary. And Tim introduced that last week by saying that the the second bottleneck is simply an unfamiliarity of how to start. You wanna live like a hometown missionary, you're captivated, captivated by that vision, you're inspired by the stories of ordinary people living extraordinary lives that Tim told last week and you wanna be that, you just don't know what to do to get things rolling. And so that's what we're gonna devote week two of this series this year towards. And you know, we had this idea that we were gonna tell a whole bunch of stories of just ordinary people to give you a picture of how this looks in normal life. And more importantly, to discover how it is that people start. But the longer we got talking about it, knowing especially that I was uh, gonna be teaching this week, we thought, you know what? Why don't we just tell one story And why don't I just tell you the story about how this ordinary person started and how this looks in my life and in our family with my wife, Becky, and my sons, Owen, and Simon, and my daughter, Adeline, on our little dot on the Glen Ridge missionary map that's pinned at 42 Addison Drive. And so that's really all I'm gonna do today is just share the last number of years of our family's story. It's kind of a different story twist of events and the typical uh, messages that we that we give around here and and to be clear what I'm not talking about today is my life as a pastor and my involvement in the adventure of leading this church and what Southridge as a church has been up to obviously as participants of this church uh, there's certainly some correlation but all I want to share about today is what my family's been up to in the last number of years as we've been trying to become these hometown missionaries that Tim was inspiring us to become last week. And so I'll start at the beginning or what was the beginning for us, which I'm hoping is the beginning, a very similar beginning to many of you. And that was in a service like this and responding to a talk like this morning. Back in 2007, uh, we first tackled this kind of series focusing on issues of compassion and justice and serving the poor and the marginalized in our communities. We called it affluenza. And during one of the mornings, uh, we were encouraging uh, child sponsorship through an agency called Compassion, a child development organization. And uh, in response to that message, people were directing people to the auditorium lobby to go and to get a, a sponsorship kit and to select a child that they could sponsor. And, you know, in our family's life, we didn't really know much about that. We hadn't done that before. And, you know, talking with Becky, we thought, hey, this would be a cool thing for us to do as a family. And more importantly, a cool thing for us to do with our kids and for our kids. We saw it as a way to kind of engage our kids in, in this lifestyle of trying to live as missionaries from our hometown. And so you know, Becky went to that table that day and started to kind of search around for that you know ideal sponsor child for, for our family. And we had some specific criteria um, because we had uh, these boys that we wanted to connect with. Uh, we were looking for a boy. And because our church was involved at the time in some activity in the country of Guatemala, we wanted a boy who was from Guatemala. But earlier that fall, uh, we had our third child, Adeline was born. And so our boys had a younger sister. So ideally we wanted a boy from Guatemala with a younger sister. And we wanted this boy to be about the same age as, as, our, as our boys. And so with all of those criteria, Becky was working with the compassion representatives and eventually they found someone that kind of fit the list. And so uh, I want to show you on the screen. This is uh, the original sponsor kit photo that we got of our sponsor child, Edgar. His name is Edgar Josue Segura Gomez. You can see he lives in Guatemala, he's born in May, which is the same birth month of both of our boys, which we thought was pretty cool. And uh, in his sponsorship kit, it said that he has a younger sister named Johanna and uh, that they live with their mother in uh, Guatemala and he likes soccer and playing with toy cars, which our kids, uh, our boys uh, thought was pretty cool. So uh, this is how things started for us in getting one of these sponsor kits and beginning to sponsor this boy named Edgar and this picture um, because in our house we have a a fridge that is uh, stainless steel so you can't actually stick things to it magnets don't stick to it and so this picture we stuck to the back of our front door and so when we began to sponsor Edgar that that's where this picture lived on the inside of our front door kind of reminding us that you know we were now in the business of Sponsoring this boy named Edgar. For a while, though, I I would have assumed that that picture on the inside of our front door just meant the 41 or whatever dollars per month that were coming off of our credit card in sponsorship. But if you're unfamiliar with this, we're going to talk about this a little bit more in week four of this year's Hope Lift series. Um, Sponsoring through compassion is very different than other child development organizations because what compassion is ultimately about is about fostering a relationship. It's way less about the money and the sponsorship in that sense. It's way more about sponsorship fueling the opportunity for a relationship. And Becky knew that going in, which was why she always kind of had it in her mind that she would one day want to visit the boy that we That we sponsored and you know at the ground levels compassion facilitates sponsorship through letter writing which we began to do but but Becky had on her heart that that she wanted to go and visit this boy someday so she began to investigate this with compassion and lo and behold I don't know if you know this but compassion actually facilitates what's called sponsor visits. And so Becky began to plan one for herself to to go and visit Edgar. And so working with Compassion Canada in coordination with Compassion Guatemala, they arranged for her in the spring of 2009 to go and visit Edgar and his family. And, and, you know, some people would have said to Becky, you know, are you sure you're going to go on a plane all by yourself and, you know, go to Guatemala and then go deep into the countryside? And, you know, are you sure it's safe? Are you going to be okay? And, you need to understand that whatever risk may have been at play, the, the, the benefit of escaping, living with me and you know, our young kids at that time for three or four days was, was far outweighing whatever risks you know, may have faced her. So, so she got on that plane and she went and you know this next shot is a shot of, of the family that she met there. This is Edgar with his younger sister, Johanna, uh, and their mother, Brenda, in their one room home. And uh, she, you know, traveled out to their house, got to see their house and how they lived, got to see, see their student center and uh, got to see the compassion program that Edgar was uh, a part of. And, you know, this next shot is a, a shot of Becky with Edgar in his classroom. And uh, you can see just by the look on his face, he's, he's kind of a shy, timid, reserved sort of a boy, but uh, it certainly didn't take long for their hearts to sear and for Becky just to fall in love with this boy and his family that we'd really just begun to sponsor. And so at that point, you know, the, the internet connection while Becky was down there wasn't really good, we couldn't really get the scoops, but when she got home, her enthusiasm was just contagious. And this one picture that we had of Edgar on the back of our front door became a whole kind of booklet of pictures from Becky's trip. And the boys could see you know, what he did and where he lived and how he lived and you know, what his student center was like and what school was like. And Becky was kind of assuming that by seeing this stuff and by learning what happened on her trip that they would wanna go another time as well. But that's not exactly how it worked, we were trying to encourage that and it was a pretty difficult sell. Um, I guess there were no Mickey ears on that trip and there were no hockey rinks or cool stuff to do in their mind. They didn't think that going to Guatemala would be fun. And so it took quite a bit of work for us to try to to encourage them to go and want to meet Edgar for themselves. But by the following year, we'd convinced them that this was a trip that they could go on with mom. And uh, so they began to organize a, a, a trip where Becky could go with the boys. You'll notice that I don't get invited on these trips. There's a common theme here uh, emerging. But, but in the second trip, um, you know, because they, they were bringing the boys, they tried to organize two different days. And you know, the first day was going to be a visit to Edgar. And our boys were preparing for that. In fact, in, in the month of May, which was our boys' birthdays, just before this trip where they were going to celebrate Edgar's birthday, both of our boys that year had, instead of collecting presents at their birthday parties, um, they'd sent little notes in their birthday invitations for people to give money so that they could buy, uh, you know, school supplies and food and some birthday presents for this sponsored child that they were about to visit named Edgar. And I got to tell you, the the families of... Uh, our kids' friends, who came to this birthday party, were so gracious and so generous. Together, they raised like over 700 bucks for, you know, supplies and food and whatnot to to go and visit them. So when they when they came and visited them, you know, they got to present all this, and it was a really cool experience for them. But then the second day, uh, they got to go on what's called a, a fun day, where instead of going to him. Edgar comes to them in the in the big city, and in Guatemala city they they go to uh, a, a children 's museum, or this is a shot of them with Edgar uh, at the zoo and uh, from becky 's report, you know it took just a matter of minutes in meeting Edgar before they were locked arm in arm the whole time and She said that day they walked around the zoo and they basically they never let go of each other. they just kind of roamed around as three amigos, brothers and friends in arms and you know, it was just a really inspiring moment for our family to see that kind of bond trigger just through this, you know what was this picture on the inside of our front door? And you know, from there, I'm sure you can imagine that, you know, coming out of that trip, things started to really change in our household because you know the 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 relationship that our boys and our family now had in this way with with Edgar was starting to form a lens that filtered everything that we could see in life. You know, sometimes you'd see this lens apply in, in real, real simple ways. So, you know, when the boys are served vegetables that they thought were disgusting, then, you know, we could remind them of how Edgar would react if he was served a, a meal like that. Sometimes it wasn't in so much insignificant ways like that. Sometimes, it was more significant in their, in their prayer life, for example. You know, at, at bedtime when we would pray with them, instead of just routine prayers of praying for Edgar and his sister and mom, um, they could pray for specific things that Edgar had asked them to pray for through translation, to pray for his safety, to pray for his friendships, um, to pray for his schooling and especially the subjects that he struggled in, to pray for his dad who apparently lived in the United States and they never, they never saw And sometimes, you know, we saw our kids, you know, making stark changes in order to, you know, live in a way that could support Edgar better. Um, Around this time, our oldest son, Owen, uh, got a a part-time job started to work. He was like around eight years old. Uh, he got a newspaper route along the the circle that we live on, on Addison Drive. And uh, so I, I felt that when he when he starts this newspaper route, we've got to have the talk of how to spend money and we we're going to have the stewardship talk. And I sat him down and we we're going to talk about now that he's got money, how is he supposed to handle it? And he said, dad, I know, give, save, spend. I learned it in church. And I thought, oh, you must go to a pretty great church. And you know, kudos to that m s program for partnering with families in that way. I thought, hey, that was... That was really awesome. But from the time that he started his newspaper route, we did what was called a double tithe. So whatever money he made from his newspaper route, the first 10% went to the church and he would bring that every week to M&S. And then the next 10% went in a jar that we called the Edgar jar and really just saved up to be able to provide meals and, and food and groceries and school supplies and things for the next time that we would visit. And you could see this lens that we started to look through life with affecting all kinds of stuff. In fact, you know, Becky was very instrumental in, in nurturing all this. And there was a time where she was reading the boys a book written by the Kielberger brothers, Craig and Mark Kilberger, who are the founders of Me to We. And uh, they wrote a book about their own story getting into social action at a very young age called It Takes a Child. And Owen was so gripped by the fact that there are other kids out there like Edgar that he was motivated to do something. So he had a... a a garage sale where he raised a, a bunch of money and gave it to Free the Children as an initiative for other Edgars in the world. And you know, later on, actually, Mark Kilberger found out about this and uh, gave Owen six VIP tickets to We Day that year and then asked him to be a guest blogger on the Free the Children, uh, Free the Children website. So this is a picture of Owen at nine years old uh, as a guest blogger. The cool thing, though, is and you can see that by the picture, This is all coming through the lens of this relationship that's forming with this little kid named Edgar. And I got to tell you, this lens was not just affecting the kids. It started affecting us as parents as well, because we started to see life differently through this lens of relationship. You know, everything that we started to purchase, we would second guess and evaluate and look at through the lens of what we call enough. You know, as we're trying to lower our standard of enough to raise other people's standards of enough, particularly this one family that we're, you know, adopting in that sense through sponsorship. We paid attention to waste a lot more sensitively, tried to compost a lot better. Becky downloaded this app called Better World Shopper to make us more conscious in our consumption. We started to learn what a carbon footprint was. Do you know what a carbon footprint is? I had no idea before this and, and you know, before that the only footprints I cared about were on Sandy beaches, <laughs> but we learned about you know, our carbon footprint and the legacy that we were leaving in the environment. And you know, even as we would participate in these kinds of series every year, we would do fasts for change or five day challenges. And you know, in recent years, I've done that through the lens of Edgar and his family. And instead of just doing the food fast, uh, last year I did a, a, a fast of uh, showers of no more than two minutes and uh, of you know, no hotter than a cool temperature. This is after coming back from morning hockey practices most of those mornings. Last year I did in the five-day challenge uh, a walk to work and back, uh, a kind of a transportation fast a number of times. And again and again and again just tried to enter in to their world because they were affecting mine. And wouldn't you know it, this little Guatemalan family that we were supposed to be helping through sponsorship was actually helping grow us in really significant ways. Well, then the time came uh, when we felt like Adeline was old enough that she could come on one of these trips. And so in 2013, we ventured down there as a whole family. Finally, I got to go as well. And uh, so here's a picture of the kids you know, getting to to see each other down there in, in 2013. And I got to tell you, going down there for the very first time, it was amazing to watch how quickly they connected. You know, for the boys, it was like they, you know, had just picked up from yesterday's conversation. No, no time had elapsed. You know, watching them play soccer in the dirt, like it was no big deal. Watching the girls in this next shot, watching the girls color on a dirt floor, like... It just was unbelievable how the barriers break down with kids. You know, you get a soccer ball or a coloring book. There's no, you know, there's no socioeconomic or, or language barriers. They're just kids being kids, having fun together. And watching them relate in that way was just super encouraging. The other thing that when I went down in 2013, that was really cool to see was the way that we were able as a family to be making a practical difference in their life. Um, Some of you may not be aware of this, but with compassion sponsorships, you can do more than just the monthly stipend. Um, There are things like birthday gifts that you can provide, Christmas gifts that you can give the family, and a one-time family gift each year of up to $1,000. And so as a family, we've been trying to, you know, nurture, contributing to these sorts of opportunities. And over the last number of years, we were helping them convert that one-room home into a four-room home. So if you look at this next shot, um, where the bush is on the left, that's their one-room home, but those three doors on the right, that that was their new construction in 2013. The doors on the left, those two, are bedrooms and, uh, and then a bathroom. The next shot shows you what that looked like in 2014, this past year, as a finished product. The next shot is the 2013 version of the bathroom, and then the shot after that is what their bathroom looks like now. And you look at it, they got running water. They got a toilet there. They've got a, a functioning shower in behind. That's what that door is. They've got a tile floor and, and the other two rooms are the, the kids own bedrooms. And I got to tell you, the only thing that, you know, beamed with pride more than our own kids, seeing the difference that their contributions and their sacrifices and their birthday party gifts and, and things had made in helping, you know, renovate and expand this house was the look of pride on Edgar and Johanna in showing these kids their own room. You ever watch kids meet for the first time at their home and say, hey, wanna come see my room? You know, this next shot is uh, Edgar showing the boys his room. And then the shot after is Johanna showing Adeline her room. And to get to watch them show her their rooms was, was pretty awesome. But as I've said, it's not about the money in the world of compassion, it's about the love and way more than the financial difference that we were trying to make, the, the way that God continued to sear together and stir up love in our hearts was just incredible to experience for the first time. In fact, at the end of our time together, and this has become a bit of a tradition now, we have a little huddle uh, prayer time. And basically, it's just an intercontinental ball fest as we say goodbye and we pray for them. And Edgar's mom, this little Guatemalan lady, prays with fire for for us. And just this past year, um, they have this student center liaison who comes and chaperones them on the trips. And she was very quiet in the first year. But in the second year, she huddled in with us and she broke down and said, you have no idea the difference that this relationship makes in that family. You have no idea the hope that it breathes into them and you have no idea how it overwhelms her to watch the love that we get to share even in just those few days of being together. And I'll tell you, in 2013, the first time that I got to experience this, it started to kind of snowball in my heart as well. So these days... um, Things have been continuing on. We got Adeline uh, in the program. This, uh, this next shot is a shot of her and Johanna. We got her sacrificing her birthday presents to try to contribute financially to some of the gifts that we were trying to give them and uh, you know some of, the, um, some of the food supplies and things on their visits. And I particularly like this shot because um, Johanna in particular has, has really affected me. One of the things that I've been into lately has been trying to learn um, through level one Latin American Rosetta Stone uh, how to speak Spanish. Because the next time I go, I want to be able to address them without a translator. I want to be able to encourage them and hear how their day was and you know, what they're excited about in the future. I want to be able to pray for them and I want to be able to tell them that God loves them and our family loves them. But more than that, I think about their future. And I think especially about Joh- Johanna's future. And you know, I've heard about sponsors. There's actually a sponsor in our, in our church who sponsored a, a girl until she graduated college, you know, all the way through the different compassion programs to the point where she got married. And she was asked by that sponsor to walk them down the wedding aisle. And I look at that picture of Addie and Johanna and I, I look at it as you know, the two girls that I may potentially walk down a wedding aisle someday. And I want to be able to do that right. And so I've been, you know, trying to learn some Spanish in that way to, to get better at that. But, you know, that, those are just some of the ways that, that this relationship's been stirring in our lives. Not the only relationships, though, that have been stirring in our lives. i got to say that. You know, the whole time that we've been into this compassion relationship with Edgar and Johanna and their family... Um, you know we've had these local what we call anchor causes in each of our southridge locations and we've wanted to be part of that program as well so over the last number of years our family served dessert uh, at the homeless shelter at our glenridge location where our family's a part of and uh, that's been another great opportunity to do it together as a family and get our kids involved and develop some really cool relationships recently we've shifted from serving dessert on wednesday nights to monday nights Um, not coincidentally because uh, Wednesday nights are Euchre nights and Monday nights are ball hockey. And uh, our boys are a lot more into that. But uh, it's been really cool to see the friendships that God has developed there and the way that he's been able to use love to encourage and and change a whole bunch of us. There are a number of uh, friends from the shelter and and from the, the former shelter community who my kids have really bonded with over hockey that now come and watch theirs and their cousins' home games. When they're playing at the four pad. So they kind of keep updated on when they're playing. And how, they're, how their teams are doing. And you know a little while ago. The Ice Dogs had their opening night at the Meridian Center. And my brother and I got a whole whack load of tickets. And it was just a no brainer at that point. To bring a number of our friends along as well. And to, to share you know that part of our family with them. And you know it's just been really incredible. To see how even locally. Not just, not just globally. God has allowed us to experience some of this adventure of what our church has been inviting us into as hometown missionaries. And lately, there's actually been an even cooler twist as friends of ours who've kind of asked about what we've been into and what we're up to in Guatemala and what we do at the shelter and you know, neighbors and you know, friends of, uh, or parents of friends of our kids who've been contributing to their birthday parties and hockey families that we go on road trips with. You know, they ask us what all this is about and they're not just asking out of intrigue. They're asking whether they can actually be part of it too. And I got to tell you, I, I can't remember the last time a person asked if they could come to a church service on Sunday with me. But we've got multiple situations right now of friends and family members that are asking to participate with us in a, the next time that we serve at the shelter, the next time we're hanging out there. And, and you know, I wanted to throw on the screen a shot of our last trip to Guatemala. is our, our family photo I'm throwing it up there because I wonder and I've I've got this picture in my mind because I wonder how long our trips to Guatemala will only contain that family and whether they'll have other friends and other friends sponsoring kids in Guatemala that we could all be together and see just a groundswell of the love of God that he's been stirring in our heart. And I feel like all of this, you know, God has been stirring all because of this one picture that used to live on the inside of our front door. That's where all this started. And now, you know, five or six years later, we've got pictures like this of Edgar with our boys and pictures like this, Johanna with Adeline and Becky. Pictures like this of Owen and Simon and, and, uh, and of Edgar. This one is particularly meaningful for me because this picture is from 2013 when Owen, our firstborn, was 10 years old. And uh, I don't know if you know this, but as the firstborn in the family that I grew up in, uh, our family started participating in this church when I was 10 years old. And when I think of the life of faith that I was invited into, or or when I think of what I understood a life of faith, you know, was to look like or to involve, and then I, I, I understand what what Owen and what our kids are learning about a life of faith and what it can mean to them and the adventure that they can be involved in in difference making and sharing the love of Christ and being changed in the process. It just overwhelms me to think at how God's grown us in 30 years as a community and really thrills my heart to see the the work that he's doing in our kids as he grows us into hometown missionaries, All, all from what started as just a, Photo on the inside of our front door. So I'm gonna take a moment now and uh, switch gears and just put my pastor hat on. I think that there are some of us in the crowd today who aren't gonna feel like we got our money's worth unless we we get a Bible verse taught to us. So I'm gonna teach us one today. And it's a Bible verse that we don't often talk about around here, but it kind of undergirds everything that hopefully we do and is a very powerful, one of the most powerful verses in all of scripture. It's written by a church leader to a church in the New Testament in the first century in a place called Corinth, which is in modern day Greece. And uh, in, this, in this place uh, called Corinth, in the book of First Corinthians in chapter 11, in verse one, the apostle Paul says this. He says, follow my example, as I follow the example of Christ. Follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. And Paul is saying that to that church. And what we glean is that leaders today should be able to say that to their church. And so today I'm saying that to you. Follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. And don't just follow my example. I don't mean to make it about me. You know, there are lots of church leaders around here that could easily stand up just the way I'm trying to and say, follow our example, the way that we're following Christ. And when I say follow my example as I'm following Christ, um, I don't mean you need to travel. I don't need, mean that you need a vacation where, you know, instead of going to an all-inclusive, you go to Guatemala or somewhere and meet your sponsor kid. You, you, you can, through letter writing and whatever, you can foster that relationship because it's ultimately about fostering a relationship. That's what I'm encouraging you to do today. That's what sponsoring a child through compassion is all about. That's what participating in an anchor cause around here is all about. And that's what I'm encouraging you to do in following me as you follow Christ. Now I will say, if you can visit them, if you are going on a vacation, you know, in the Caribbean and you could make a couple days stop to go and visit your sponsored child or make a trip to Africa or this sort of thing, by all means, I would highly encourage it. For how much God can do in your heart just in that short amount of time. But it's not about the travel. It's about the love. It's about the relationship that God can stir through participating with a program like child sponsorship. So when I say follow me as I'm following Christ. Follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. I'm inviting you today to just start by getting with the program. Getting with the programs that our church makes available for you. Getting with the program by attending the next open house to the anchor cause of your location. Getting with the program by participating, signing up and joining in on the global action plan. A six month process that we run every winter to help people develop their understanding and activity in the world of living like a global missionary. Get with the program of going out in the auditorium lobby of your location today and picking up one of those sponsorship kits and sponsoring a child today. Start by getting with the program in the same way that we started by trying to get with the program of what our church was inviting us into. But be clear that the only reason our church does these programs is to foster a lifestyle that ultimately stimulates relationship with the people you're originally intending to serve. And so in so much as we want you to get with the program, it's only to build a relationship because it's not about participating in the program. It's about the love that comes from it. Know that when I say... um, you know, follow my example as I follow Christ. I'm not trying to give you the impression that we got it all figured out or we've got some sort of perfect family. Our children are highly imperfect. And the only reason that Becky and I know that is because they get that from us. In fact, I hesitated showing you all kinds of pictures today because I didn't want that Facebook effect that makes people feel like you've edited out all the bad pictures and only kind of showed the veneer of the the very best photos. So... Take a look at this next one. This is how most of the Guatemala pictures have turned out over the last number of years. And you can see our kids are trying to be a bit goofy there. And Edgar and Johanna have absolutely no idea what's hit them. But uh, that's sort of the way things have worked for us. And I got to tell you, you know, when Becky walked out the back of that auditorium that day back in 2007, I never would have thought that God would have grown me in that way. And that today I'd be able to show up at the end of the service and go go to a you know, a, a missionary map and stick something on there around my house and consider myself a hometown missionary. But you look at this next shot and that's what God's been growing me into, and God's what that's what God's been growing our family into. God's been growing you know 42 Addison Drive into a household of hometown missionaries. Recently, uh, we had a really awesome experience in our in our last trip this past spring, uh, I mentioned earlier that one of the reasons we wanted to sponsor a boy who had a younger sister was so that we could ultimately sponsor them someday. And uh, this next shot is a shot of Addie and Johanna. You look at them, they're just thick as thieves there. And uh, we often assumed that in sponsoring Edgar, we'd get to sponsor Johanna as well. But we found out after a couple of years that when Johanna was the age of eligibility, the sponsorship center where they were located was already full. And so she was never eligible for that sponsorship. And even though we treated her like our sponsor daughter in the same way that we treated Edgar as our sponsor son, um, you could tell there was always kind of a gap that existed. Because to a child, to know that you're sponsored is really a special thing. It's a, a special status or feeling that there actually is someone officially that Owns you and loves you and takes responsibility for you. And even though we tried to communicate that to to Johanna, you could kind of tell that she always sort of wished that she could be sponsored like her brother too. And then this past May, when we visited them again in 2014, we discovered that because there were some openings in their student center and no younger kids to enter in, they had allowed Johanna to join in the Compassion program and had made her eligible for sponsorship. And so as soon as we got home that night and got into, you know, internet connection, I was trying to leverage every connection I possibly could to make sure that she hadn't been picked up by another family. That would have been terrible in our minds because, you know, she was our sponsored daughter. But uh, by the next morning, a friend of ours named Allison had told us that, yeah, in fact, um, Johanna was eligible for sponsorship. No one had sponsored her yet. We could sponsor her and more than that. We could tell her that. And if you put yourself in the, in the shoes of a, of a sponsored child, it's a pretty cool thing to hear that you actually now have, have a family out there that has taken you on as their sponsor. Um, and I don't know how kids normally hear about that, whether their parents tell them or the student center or the compassion representative tell them. But very rarely, I can imagine, does a sponsored child first hear that they're sponsored by their actual sponsor. So as we wrap up today, I just want to show you a couple minutes of a very crude video that I got to film. As soon as we entered the amusement park in Guatemala City this year on our fun day, the first thing that the kids wanted to do was let Johanna know uh, that we were sponsoring her as well. So uh, take a look and check this out. You know, my job. I get to see a lot of exciting things. You know, being part of this church and being able to be involved in leading it. I, uh, I get a lot of thrilling moments. But I gotta tell you, there was not a moment in this past year that thrilled my heart more than watching that little girl collapse into Becky's arms and not let go. And I hope that I can impress on you today that as leaders around here, when we ask and invite and challenge you to get with the program, it's because we want something for you, not something from you. And I hope that on a morning like this, you'll get with the program that we're making available to you and you'll do it to engage in a lifestyle of relationship where God can stir love in you and through you and back at you in the same way he's been doing that in our family and all over this church. That's what we believe it's going to take if God's going to raise up an army of hometown missionaries. You know, we don't believe around here that God has entrusted his mission to a select few out there that the rest of us are funding. We believe in the snowflake approach. I heard someone once say that with snowflakes, you know, on their own, they can't do much, but you put enough of them together and they can stop traffic. Our vision around here is that God would make us an avalanche of his love all around Niagara and around the world. But all it takes is for you and I and us together to commit to doing something, to being hometown missionaries right in our own backyard. You know, this uh, story for us started with a a picture on our front door. And I thought I would wrap up today by showing you the picture that's on our front door these days. Um, this is what our kids have done. We didn't organize it this way, but uh, they've got our front door uh, looking like this, this day, these days. And this kind of represents for us our extended family. Represents for us who we live for. Represents for us who we're fighting for. And more than that represents for us, every time we open that door, every time we go out into the world in our going, we're trying to do that. We're trying to go out into the world as hometown missionaries. And as Southridge encourages the Lockyer family at 42 Addison Drive to live that way on behalf of the Lockyer family and on behalf of our Southridge family, I want nothing more than to invite you into experiencing the lifestyle of adventure that that hometown missionary way of life can be for you. Let's pray. God, I just want to pray particularly for those uh, across all of our locations who have caught a glimpse of your vision that you could use them in a difference-making life-transforming, love-sharing, legacy-building kind of way. But who've just been stuck not knowing where to start. And I just pray that they'd see, uh, while it may not be easy, it is simple to just start by getting with the programs that we're making available around here. And uh, I pray that people would take that step today in whatever way you're prompting them to by your spirit. I pray beyond that, we'd understand why these programs exist, that at the end of the day, they just exist to stimulate relationship and that each of us would take steps today to establish and deepen and strengthen the relationships with people in our lives who are of need, poor, marginalized, even globally. And that through those relationships, we would open our hearts up to your incredible love and your incredible life-changing work. Thank you for the way that you're growing us as a church. Thank you for the way that you're growing us as a family. Thank you for the way that you're growing me as a person and as a follower of you. I pray that as you do more incredible things among us, as there's more incredible stories to tell, that we would be quick to give you all of the credit for all of the work that you're doing, working in us and through us as we become an army of hometown missionaries that you, God, are raising up. So we thank you, we love you, we pray all these things in Jesus' name, amen.